You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. We come to the end of this sermon series, looking at what it means for us to be the body of Christ in the world today as pictured through a quick snapshot of the early church right after its birth on the day of Pentecost. On that day, a faithful group of 120 people who had followed Jesus during his earthly ministry swelled to just over 3,000 believers thanks to the Holy Spirit and the first recorded sermon proclaiming the gospel. Now, what did it practically look like for all of these people from different nationalities, backgrounds, and languages to come together into a single unified community of faith? Well, we're given a brief but insightful snapshot of what it looked like in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. In fact, it's been our focal image through this whole sermon series. We've been looking at it together for weeks now. Is it fully imprinted yet in our mind's eye, having heard it so often? Can we see it without hearing it read aloud? Well, just in case, this indelible picture hasn't quite sunk in yet for us. Here it is one more time. It reads, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Through the leading of the Holy Spirit, the apostles directed the church to focus on four things, four essential foundational practices. Number one, the apostles' teaching, being in the word. Number two, fellowship, being in koinonia or community together. Number three, breaking bread together, coming to the table set by Jesus, Holy Communion, and in response, opening the tables of their lives in their homes as a gracious offering of hospitality to others. And number four, prayer, regular ongoing conversation with the Lord, both individually and communally. Now we've looked at each one of these practices in detail over these last few weeks. We've also considered the spirit-driven postures of both living justly and living generously that naturally emerged out of these shared practices. Today, we end this series by considering the verb that brings it all together, that stands out in this description of the early church, that expresses how they engaged their life together in Christ. And that verb is found in verse 42. Do you know what it is? Devoted. Devoted. In our conversations, the word devoted pops up a lot. I mean, we admire someone who is devoted to their family, to their children, their spouse. We respect a person who is devoted to their craft, their art, their work. We encourage others to be devoted to their health or their studies. And we marvel at those who are so devoted to an author, a musician, or band, or perhaps even a sports team. But what does it mean to be devoted? More specifically, what does it look like to be devoted to being the body of Christ? To answer these questions and others that might follow, let's listen to a passage from the Gospel of Luke 
where Jesus himself doesn't necessarily use the word devotion in what he what he, he offers, but in what he does say, he tells us everything we need to know. Here it is from Luke chapter 19. Luke 9, 18 through 26. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things and being rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed. And on the third day, he be raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants their, to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them. And when he comes in his glory, and in the glory of the Father, and in the holy of angels. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now, Pastor Chris. The Greek word used here to describe this picture of the life of the early church, which translates into our English word devoted, means to be steadfastly attentive, to give relentless care to something. In other words, being devoted is to fully embrace, to be completely immersed in such a way that one is singularly focused and committed. So if we apply this definition to the picture we're given here in Acts of the early church, what we see is a group of believers who are not just occasionally, once a week or once a day, being in God's word, being in community together, sharing hospitality with others or praying. No, what we see is that the first followers of Jesus were steadfastly attentive fully immersed, singularly focused, totally committed to these four practices of being in the word, engaging in koinonia or fellowship together, of coming to the table set by Jesus and in response, opening the table of their lives, their homes as a gracious offer of hospitality to others and praying, having regular ongoing conversation with the Lord through the spirit, both individually and communally. These are the habits that they regularly gave their time their attention and energy towards developing. These are the postures of living that they said yes to by purposefully saying no to other pursuits and other diversions. But let's be clear, these four practices were the means and not the ends of the early church's devotion. In other words, these four pillars were tools the early church were devoted to as exercising as a means of expressing and expanding their love their loyalty and obedience to Christ. The object of their devotion was not these practices, but rather their relationship with Jesus. And the question that leaves us with is, are we, like them, so devoted to Christ? Does the picture of our lives, the expression of our devotion to Jesus, match the one we see here in Acts? Well, perhaps we're thinking, are you kidding me, Pastor Chris? What we see here is way too extreme. It's too radical, it's obsessive, Dare we even say it's fanatical? 
We can't just be devoted to being in the word, being in community, offering hospitality to others and praying all the time. Our lives are full of other things we need to do. Uh, earning a living, securing our basic needs, taking care of our loved ones, and how about enjoying the fruits of our labor? It's interesting and perhaps telling, isn't it? Our list of all the other things we have to do before engaging in our relationship with Jesus is all the stuff that our God promises to provide for us. But let's be clear. Devotion to God in Christ doesn't mean not engaging in these other necessary tasks. Devotion to God in Christ means putting God first before whatever we do. Putting God in Christ first is looking and trusting for the Lord's guidance and provision in and through all these other tasks of earning a living, taking care of our loved ones, and yes, even enjoying the fruits of our labor. Still, we might wonder why God asks for such singular devotion above all else. Is our creator needy for attention, insecure in his identity as our sovereign Lord? It may seem selfish for God to expect such devotion from his people, but it really isn't. You see, our devotion to God is not for God's benefit and blessing, it's for ours. Because if God is the source of our life, of all love and goodness in this life, then being fully devoted to God is how we can actually experience life as it was meant to be lived, a life marked by unconditional love and filled with all that is good. On our own, apart from him, the Lord knows, the Lord warns us repeatedly through the scriptures, we will end up putting our faith and hope in objects, pursuits, even people who cannot deliver the provision and security that we need. And when we put our ultimate devotion in anything or anyone other than God, we end up in bondage rather than blessing. We become enslaved to that object of our devotion. God wants our singular devotion, our loyalty and obedience, because it is only through intimacy and communion with him, through Jesus Christ, that we can find freedom the freedom to be restored back to the life we were created to have. Make no mistake, the question of our devotion, choosing this day whom we will serve, is not a matter of personal preference. It is a matter of life and death. And this leads us to our passage today from Luke chapter 19. Jesus, as we heard, while in a private place praying, asks his disciples if they know who he really is. Not just who the crowds think he is, but who they think he is. Who do they believe they are following? Peter replies, he believes Jesus is the Messiah. And this is a familiar passage for many of us. Elsewhere in other gospel accounts, Peter's correct response amounts to a whole lot more than Luke gives us here, right? Peter, you'll remember, as was his custom, goes from taking two steps forward with Jesus to ending up three steps behind. But Luke offers none of this to us here. No, notice instead, Luke goes from knowing who Jesus is to a declaration about what it means to follow him. And as you heard, Jesus lays it out plainly. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What does it mean to be devoted to God in Christ? Well, according to Jesus, it is far more than reading our Bibles, getting together for worship, celebrating communion, or even praying. Again, these are the means, not the ends of our devotion. No, according to Jesus, to be devoted to him is to die to oneself, to lose our life for Christ. Now, this may sound harsh, even terrifying. 
if we don't listen carefully to what Jesus tells us here. Jesus says, in losing our life, we actually save our life. But how does this make any sense? Because what we are losing, what we are letting go of, what we are dying to is our devotion to ourself. Being devoted to God in Christ means no longer choosing the life we want to live, life on our terms, life being whatever we make of it. No, being devoted to God in Christ means we are embracing the life God always intended for us, the life God seeks to give us thanks to Jesus. And it isn't so much of a loss as it is a gain, an exchange, because we are receiving the perfect, abundant, and everlasting life of Jesus a life we can only have with and in Christ. Jesus frames it this way, what is it worth to a man if he profits and gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul? My friends, true and full living, the most daring and exciting, the most challenging and rewarding life only happens when we willfully die to ourselves as we put an end to all devotions before Christ. And we might wonder, is it wrong then for me to be devoted to my family, to be devoted to doing well at school or at work? Let us listen carefully. There is nothing wrong with being devoted to something else, provided that our first devotion is to God. It's about priorities. It's about foundations. It's about from what or from whom everything else in our life flows. As we look at our own heart, as we search our own mind, what is most important to us. To what or to whom are we the most devoted? And to help answer this question, we can go back to the practices that we see the early church engaging in out of their devotion to Christ in Acts chapter 2. For example, what are we most devoted to reading and studying? Is it the Word of God? Who are we most devoted to spending time with and keeping company with? Who are we breaking and sharing our bread, our resources with? Who or what are we praying for? Is our prayer life a one-sided conversation, a grocery list of what we want, or are we listening and receiving what God wants us to pray for? My friends, we need to regularly step back, reassess what is most important to us, because it is very easy to get out of sync in following Jesus. It is easy, very easy, to become devoted to something so much that it infringes on one's relationship with Christ. So hear this, we can be devoted to other things, other people, but we can't be more devoted to anyone or anything more than we are to Christ. Jesus must always be our first love, for it is out of our devotion to our relationship with God in Christ that everything else falls into place in a manner that is healthy and life-giving. We can only truly serve others without condition or expectation, without need for reciprocity or validation, when our devotion to them is not born out of our own need, but out of our love and devotion to Christ. When we reverse this order, problems inevitably arise. For whatever preoccupies our attention and energy more than following Jesus is inevitably going to distract us from and blind us to Christ's very presence, his voice, his example, his direction, his power in our life. And thus, we will look then to whatever or whoever we are devoted to more than Jesus to validate our identity, to give us purpose, to ensure our security and well-being. And this never works out because there is only one Messiah. No one else, nothing else can save us, complete us except Jesus alone. 
So if you find yourself more and more rather than less and less restless, dissatisfied and unfulfilled, if you are the same person you've always been and not much has changed about you in all these years believing in Jesus, if you complain that your relationship with Jesus is stale and stagnant, if you reflect and find your lack of love for other people has gone up, that your bitterness, your condemnation, your attacking of others far outpaces your empathy and compassion for others, if you've answered yes to any or all of the above, then you need to face the possibility you are devoted to something or someone more than you are to Jesus. It might be your job. It could be your politics. It may be your need to feel needed or accepted or approved of by your family and friends is our ultimate devotion to Christ. That's the question. Our devotion to Jesus can be something that we quite easily put in a box. Interestingly, these days, when we talk about devotion to Jesus, we confine it to meaning a little reading that we do either the first thing in the morning or at the end of the night. That's our devotional time. But true devotion to Christ goes so much deeper than this. Beloved, there is a difference between being devoted to Jesus and dabbling in Christianity. Devotion isn't dabbling. Devotion is the opposite of dabbling. Dabbling is occasional, infrequent. Dabbling is when the mood strikes us, when we make time for it. But Jesus isn't interested in dabbling in our lives. Jesus desires our devotion to him. And being devoted to Jesus is giving ourselves to Christ moment by moment with each breath we take and with every decision we make. Being devoted to Jesus is letting our thoughts, our words, and ultimately our actions be shaped by his example, his direction. Being devoted to Christ is not merely adherence to a belief about Jesus. Devotion to Christ is an act rooted and emerges out of our love for Jesus. And if we're still struggling in our devotion to the Lord, if we're still struggling with this sermon, let us be encouraged in remembering and realizing God's persistent and relentless devotion to us. For the gospel that holds us together is the revelation of a God who, no matter how unfaithful we are, is never, ever unfaithful to us. No matter how much we lack in our devotion, our God is wholly devoted to his children, holding nothing back, not love, not forgiveness, not mercy, not provision, protection, not his presence, not even his son. The story of the Bible is the story of the God who is so fully devoted to working for the redemption of all humanity that he sovereignly orchestrates our salvation even within the fractured, tragic, and even devastating moments of our history to provide restoration for all people, redemption for all creation. Such devotion comes to full display in the willingness of our Creator to come down not only to be with us, but to give His life for us, to lead us beyond our sin and beyond death into new everlasting possibilities. Notice here in Luke 19, Jesus, or Luke 9, Luke does, Jesus doesn't just tell us to be devoted to God, go and be devoted to God. Jesus calls us to follow Him in His devotion to God. In Christ, we witness what perfect human devotion to God looks like. When Jesus shows up among us, Jesus tells us himself, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In everything Jesus says and does while on this earth, Jesus willingly and deliberately submits to the life of his father, who Jesus, remember, professes lives within him. 
Jesus, in calling us to follow him, is inviting us to live the life he lived in his Father. In fact, this is what Jesus prays for us. Do you remember this from, from the Gospel of John, chapter 17? Because Jesus does more than pray this for us. He answers this prayer for us as well. Jesus, through his devotion to us, makes possible our devotion to him. What? Jesus gives us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, in order to bring us into the life he lived with his Father. Hear this, because this is key. There is only one person who ever lived the Christian life. Only one person, and it's Jesus. Following Jesus, hear this, is not trying to copy or imitate how Jesus lived. Being devoted to God isn't seeking to love the Lord or to love others out of our own passion and willpower. We can't do anything in our own strength. But the Lord's grace is sufficient for us in all things, including our devotion to him. My friends, the same grace that saves us is the same grace we appropriate in being devoted to following Jesus. In other words, being devoted to God is living the life we have received from Jesus through the cross and the resurrection, Christ in us, through the giving of the Holy Spirit. Ours is a dependent faith. Our devotional devotion is reciprocal. We are able to be devoted to God because God was first and is forever devoted to us. Grace that God gives to us is more than the grace of a divine approval, a righteousness that is not our own. It is definitely that. The Lord gives us grace not just to be forgiven, though. The Lord gives us grace also to follow, to follow Christ into kingdom service. The Lord gives us the grace to grow into who we were meant to become in Christ. God gives us the grace to share Jesus with others. And as we, like the Apostle Paul once wrote, recognize this, that we have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us, and that the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As we live in absolute awareness of this, our complete dependence upon Jesus, my friends, we can be and we will be devoted to Christ. Where are you today? Are you worrying in the midst of everything that's going on? Are you wandering in the midst of everything that's going on in this world? Or are you erupting like a volcano, spewing your frustrations and fears all over social media? I'm friends with some of you, so I know you are. Are you giving an earful to anyone who will listen, just spouting out all kinds of garbage? Are you indifferent? Are you hardened? My friends, everyone is devoted to something or someone. What are you most devoted to these days? Is the object of our supreme devotion the God who is so relentlessly devoted to us? What might it look like for you to stop living the way everyone else is and to start living the life that God has for you, the life that God has given you in Christ? What would change about how you're reacting, how you're responding to what's happening right now in this world? What would change about how you're treating others in the midst of all that's going around us? How would we change if we devoted ourselves to living out of the life of Christ that God has delightedly imparted within us through his spirit? Because beloved, it is our recognition of God's love and devotion to us that stirs our hearts towards love and devotion for him and then to others. It is our growing awareness of God's deep concern and promise to act in the midst of all that we're going through, all of it right now, not in some passive, I wish I could do something kind of a way. No, God says, I've got you. And God is acting right now in the midst of all that we see falling apart. And it's that that quiets our deepest fears, that that silences our guilt-ridden consciences. It's that fact that impresses upon us our inestimable worth, even as it spurs us to look beyond ourselves, our worries and cares, to care and serve others. My friends, like the early church, may we remain hopefully devoted to Christ. 
this Jesus whom we claim to serve, this Jesus who's the only one who can truly change our lives, who can reconcile all things, who can restore this world for the better. Devotion is what God is looking for. Devotion is what God enables us to practice in our relationship with him. Devotion is what it means to be the church. Let's be the church. Amen.